Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Starts out in verse 22. It says, For if you shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you, to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and you shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourself. Every place whereon the sole of your feet shall tread, shall be yours from the wilderness of Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. This passage of scripture, God speaks an incredible promise to, to Moses. And he tells him, uh, within the borders that I've set forth, everywhere that the sole of your feet it, it, it lands in the dirt, it lands in the dust, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it to you. And by proxy, I'm going to give it to the children of Israel, the Israelites. Their promise or their possession of their promise was contingent upon their pursuit of the promise. Amen. God said, I, I have great things in store for you. I'm, I'm laying them out before you, Moses, and, and, and you're going to communicate this to the people. And, and everywhere that you're willing to go, I will give it to you. So it is with many of the promises that we have from God. God speaks great things into our life, but we have to be willing to pursue the promises that we've been given. They're there. They're, they're just beyond the horizon. They're just a little bit farther than where we are, but we do not receive them. We do not possess them until we're willing to go to where they are. We're in a faith promise service today, and it's already been communicated that we, in many ways, will make promises by faith. We're going to say, God, if if you will provide this this dollar amount, I know we're talking about raising funds, but I hope to communicate more than that today, then then I will in turn give that back over to you. And I've sat in these services, and I've heard the stories of missionaries and, and people that have traveled around preaching these types of services, and they can relay individuals that made a faith promise and then received a raise, made a faith promise, and then the insurance agent showed up and had to talk them into taking money. Come on, man. But there's also another angle to look at, and that is, we, we can approach faith promise as a pledge of faith in the promise that has already been given. Right. Yes. We say, God, I'm, I'm willing to put my faith in what you've already spoken. Already it, was, it was talked about earlier today, and I just couldn't help but think about this point in my notes when you said that you've now been strategically placed in an area to reach new communities. Yes. And God is speaking a word of promise over this congregation that that I'm going to give you these areas. I'm going to give you this new territory. But you're only going to get it if you're willing to go there. That you've got to go there. So I want to preach to us today in pursuit, in pursuit of the promise. In pursuit of the promise. Matthew 28, 19. I'll also read Mark 16. These are our, our great commissions. 
Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19. I'm going to, actually, I'm going to read 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake. So anytime Jesus is speaking, it's a good time to listen. Saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. There's a promise that's given. God said that we're going to go out. We're going to experience revival. We're going to experience the blessings of being able to take his gospel, his his life-changing gospel, into areas that it hasn't been preached before. And that can be overseas or that can be across the street. He said, I'm going to go with you. He says it again, or it's relayed to us again in Mark 16, verses 15 through 18. And he said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Some of you are thinking about your neighbor right now. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You see, we have a great promise just like Moses did. We stand and God said, if, if, if you'll go, I'm going to go with you. And there's going to be supernatural things that take place. There's going to be healings. And there's going to be deliverance. And there's going to be power. And I'm never going to leave you. Our promise is also contingent upon our willingness to pursue it. Both of these passages of Scripture that we would label as the Great Commission start with a single word. Go. Go. God says, here's a promise that I have for you. All you have to do is is go. Is go. I'm a little more uncomfortable in this service than I am in a lot of services because I don't make a habit of talking about myself. I I think that's a little bit weird. But I I do want to share some things and, and relay some things from our experience in going into Fergus Falls that I believe is applicable to, to every part of our life. Right. And there are, there are four new territories that we're going to pass through in pursuit of the promise. Yes. I'm not a smart enough man to say that there are only four. I'm just going to tell you about the four that we've walked through. Yeah. The first one is going to be the territory of the call. Right. God gives a call. God speaks to, to Moses in the Scripture. God commands us In the Great Commission, God speaks to us in our lives and he begins to to call us to somewhere we're not familiar with. And I wish I could tell you that it was a a, a very spiritual moment and I was in an altar with my face in the carpet and I was crying and and God began to speak to me about Fergus Falls, but that's not how it happened. I'm just too simple for that. It had been a long day at work. I made my way home. I was sitting around trying to relax and... Out of nowhere, I felt the Lord ask me a question. I wish he would have just just demanded something of me, but that's not the way it worked in our case. And God asked the simple question, why don't you start an apostolic church in Fergus Falls? To which my initial response was, where is Fergus Falls? (laughs) I've never been to Fergus Falls. I don't have any family near Fergus Falls. I don't know any people in Fergus Falls. 
I know nothing about Fergus Falls. And so I went and I got my iPad and I looked it up and I found this little community over here right on the North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota border. And I thought, huh, that was weird. Moving on. <laughs> but there was just this, this nagging uh, constant question, why don't you start an apostolic church in Fergus Falls? And I had a lot of reasons not to start an apostolic church in Fergus Falls because I had an established business in Grand Rapids, and I was the assistant pastor in Grand Rapids, and I had a lot of responsibilities in Grand Rapids, and my children had friends in Grand Rapids, and we had family in Grand Rapids. But the, the longer this conversation went on, and, and really it wasn't much of a conversation, it was just the Lord asking the same question, and me coming up with all kind of reasons that were centered around my flesh and my comfort, and none of them seemed to suffice as, as uh, a reason where God said, okay, I guess that makes sense. He just kept asking, why don't you start an apostolic church in Fergus Falls? And so eventually it got to the point where I, I went to my wife and I said, look, this is something we need to pray about. Um, here's what's going on. I need you to pray with me. And I didn't say anything else out about it. I let some time go by. I think it was around a month before I came back. And I said, well, ha have you been praying about this? You know? And she said, nope. We were extremely happy where we were. We had no problems with where we were. We were content. But at that point, she realized that, yes, this is, this is serious. It's not just going to go away. He didn't eat too much pizza before bed or whatever it is. And so we, we started to pray about it. And, and we eventually had the conversation with our kids. And while my youngest three were young enough to where it was pretty oblivious to them, when we uh, approached the conversation with our kids, my oldest daughter understood what it meant, and she understood what she was leaving, and so it was very emotional, and it was, it was difficult to work through, and I'm a little bit out of order. I talked to my pastor before I talked to my kids, but I, I do remember um, we had stairs that would go upstairs, and it was after a Sunday morning service, and I was standing at the bottom of those stairs trying to go up and prepare to, to start this conversation with my pastor, and it was, it was extremely difficult. Not because I thought he was going to tell me no. Or, in fact, I, even, I, I was looking for a way out still. I said, listen, if you say no, I won't go. All you got to do is tell me no. And, of course, he listens to God too, so we have a problem there. <laughs> but it, it was difficult and, and just trying to work through this. And at this point, up until this point, up until sitting down in his office and having this conversation, it was just between me and my wife. But there's something about pursuing the call that, that brings us to a place where we have to sit down with people in authority or sit down with people that, that have the influence and direction in our life. And I had to say it out loud. That's why I struggled at the bottom of those stairs because at this point, I could just, I could just tell my wife, forget about it. We could just move on. Nobody knows anything. But, but I had to actually speak into existence. I had to say, this is, this is where I think God wants me to, to go. Now there's action applied to this thing. We loaded up the vehicles. We, we thought we would be wise, and, and we're going to find a place to rent, and we're going to start out slow, and we're just going to see how this works. And I think the Lord was just like, you're, you're not getting it. So we started looking for a place to rent. We could not rent a house in Fergus Falls. It was, it was impossible. 
And so we just bought a house. <laughs> okay. We had sold a house years before, and our credit was good, and the finances was there. But every other house we tried to buy for, the, for a couple years span, there would be some weird thing about it that the bank wouldn't finance it. So we would just keep looking, and we'd rent for a while. We didn't understand that at the time. But when it came time to move to Fergus, we had nothing holding us. We, could just, we just bought a house. And we had people that would help us, and we loaded up trailers, and we loaded up trucks, and we drove to Fergus Falls, and we dumped every, all the boxes out in the living room, and then everybody drove away. And we just sat in the living room. Like, okay. <laughs> this is unfamiliar. This is not territory that we're, we're used to. But it was territory that we had to walk into in order to possess the promise. It was necessary. It would make sense within our carnal mind that when we're obedient to God and we begin to pursue the call, that He would pave a way and everything would work out great. But there's another territory that we walk into when we're in pursuit of the promise, and that is the territory of conflict. It's amazing to me in Scripture when we read the promise that the Lord gave Moses was that He would drive out the other nations. But this promise is eventually relayed over in uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. It's relayed to Joshua. And Joshua is the one that actually takes the children of Israel into the promised land. And the Lord did drive out these other nations, but not before the Israelites arrived. They had battles to fight. The Lord would drive them out as the Israelites arrived. So the first thing that happens, man, they, they're finally obedient. They make their way across the Jordan. They, they, they are entering into the promised land, and here's Jericho. Yeah. Like, God, I'm trying to do what you told me to do. And there's this great big struggle in my way. Right. And so they're obedient to God. That, I'll get sidetracked. I won't go there. They're obedient to God, and, and they, they make it through this battle. Whew, we won, Right? And then they, they look out on the horizon, and here's Ai. Yeah. And everywhere that they wanted to go, everywhere that God was calling them, there was another battle to fight. Right. There, was a, there was another people that had to be expelled. Yeah. And when we got ready to, to go to Fergus Falls and in the months leading up to it, I'm not a spooky, the devil's around every corner kind of person. Um, I recognize that there's a spiritual realm that's operating all around us. Never had a lot of experiences with that. But I, I went through some things that I had never experienced before. And I began to have, I say nightmares. It was more than nightmares. It, it was demonic opposition. And I would, I would go to sleep at night and I'd freaking my wife out because wake up gasping for air, screaming out the name of Jesus. She thinks somebody's coming in the room. She has no idea. And, and it was always the weirdest thing. We would be in Fergus. I'd never been to Fergus at this point other than just driving through, checking out the city, going back home. And, and we would be in somebody's home, and we'd be teaching a Bible study. And they would come to a point where they said, yes, I want prayer. I want the Holy Ghost. And, and we would, the instant we would go to lay hands on them, it would, it would morph, and the atmosphere would change, and, and they would turn into something that they weren't before. And you know, I hate to say it, but it freaked me out. I'm a grown man waking up at night, laying in bed like a child. I don't want to move. If there's something over there, I don't want to see it. Like, I, just, I just don't even want to know it's there. 
And this went on for a long time, and, and we began to pray over our home, and it got to the point where we had victory within our home. I didn't have any more trouble at the house, but any time we would leave, if we were on a trip, like something like this for a weekend, or at that time we were going to, to a lot of different churches in our time of transition, and every time we were out of town without fail in an area that we hadn't claimed as our own in a hotel room, it would happen every single time. When we moved into the new house in Fergus Falls, it was a, a regular occurrence. And so finally, I had to tell my wife, I don't want to freak you out anymore, but I'm sick and tired of this. So from now on, every single time this happens, I'm going to prayer. And I'm not talking, Lord, help me. I'm just really freaking me out. I'm, I'm just done with it. And so there was a battle that had to be fought, and the Lord did give us victory over those things. Amen. There's battles of intimidation we went there, and part of the call was, you know, my wife's going to have to play music because I'm certainly not doing it. <laughs> I don't even clap on beat. But she didn't do that. She, she, that wasn't who she was. She took piano lessons as a child, um, so she, she knew a little bit. She could fumble around, but she could play zero songs. And when we first went to Fergus Falls, uh, we would have one service a month. And I've got videos of her down in this basement of this first house practicing and God would help her, and, and she would learn just enough songs to get through one more service. Yeah. And you think, well, what if God moves? Well, God better move in those three songs, <laughs> or we're moving on to the next part of the service because she don't know any other songs. <laughs> and, and it was just a, a battle that had to be fought, this intimidation of not feeling adequate, not feeling like you had the skills or the resources to do what God was calling you to do, and yet time and time again, he, he would overcome, and he would use what we put there. As long as we were willing to go, God was willing to, to honor his promise. There was uh, battles of discouragement that would come in, in the most sincere ways. I can't tell you how many people would approach us when we were preparing to go into this new territory and say things like, you know what, it might take 77 years, but God's going to build a church in Fergus Falls. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you're going to go through like 15 congregations, but there's going to be some that stick. <laughs> Finally, I just started telling them, Listen, don't, don't tell me that again. <laughs> In the, I was a little bit nicer than that, but that was the gist of it. Like, I, I, I don't receive that. If that's the way it has to play out, we'll stick it out. We'll be faithful. But, but the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You can keep that to yourself. I'm done fighting that battle. I don't want to hear about it anymore. There's territory of, of consistency. When things are brand new, they're exciting. I mean, they, they just are. Whether they're intimidating, whether they're scary, whatever it is, when it's new, it's exciting. But with time, things just kind of, they just become what they are. I've often wondered with, with the promise given to Moses. He wasn't commanded to go to any depth, any place. He didn't have to go all the way to the sea. He didn't have to go all the way to the Euphrates. God just said, everywhere you're willing to go within this, within this territory, I'm going to give it to you. So when Joshua and the people finally make their way across, they've been slaves in Egypt. 
Now they've watched an entire generation pass away as they wandered in the wilderness. And they finally make it in. And all the walls fall in Jericho. And now they're looking around and they're like, there's like houses here. There's like a little garden over there. This is, this is nice. You know what I think? I think this is good enough. I'm just saying, I probably would have felt tempted in that moment to say, you know what, Jericho's not half bad. Right. I know, I know that we haven't reached the Euphrates yet, but man, I like Jericho. I've heard good things about AI and, and, and all the lands on the horizon, but, but, but man, let's just, let's just hang out here for a little while. Right. This is nice. This is secure. This feels good. We, we can get comfortable here. There's something about consistency. When we, I told you when we first went to Fergus, we had, we had one service a month. And normally what would happen, we would get to the YMCA, we would unload all of our stuff out of a trailer, we would set it up, and then I would stand by the window and just hope that someone pulled in the parking lot that looked like they were dressed for church, not the gym. Like, maybe some, we, we didn't have a clue. Yeah. We didn't know anybody. I'm just hoping somebody shows up. We put out flyers. We did door hangers. We're doing evangelism. And there was a couple that came to our very first service. And they came in. Great family. They're, they're still connected to us. But I would consider them friends of ours. And they came into the service. And the wife and the kids would, would kind of engage. And the husband would sit down in his chair. And he would put his head on the chair in front of him like this. And then when church was done, they would get up and they would go home. And, and week after week, I'm preaching, and I'm, I'm preaching salvation, and I'm preaching hope, and I'm preaching the God. We're, we're just going through the Word of God, and I'm thinking, this dude could care less. <laughs> like, I don't know what his wife does to him to make him come to church. <laughs> but, but he comes. And he told me later, you know, we finally got to the point where we did that for seven months, and then we began to have weekly services. So I started talking about having weekly services, and he didn't tell me until after we had been having weekly services for a while, and and he had been at every one of them. He said, yeah, he said, you started saying we're going to have weekly services, and I thought, I'm still coming once a month. (laughs) That's just where he was. And so so I'm, I'm preaching this stuff all the time about how people need to give their life to God and they, they need to experience salvation. They need to be baptized in Jesus' name. We baptized his son. You know, we're, we're doing all these wonderful things and he's got his head on the chair. <laughs> and you're just like, why, why would I even preach this message again? Yeah. You know, why would I stand in this pulpit and, and preach this one more time? He's already heard it. Yeah. At least I think, unless he's a really hard sleeper. I don't think he was ever actually sleeping. We had another man decide to be baptized after a service on Sunday, and we would go down to uh, a boat launch that dumps into the river, and that's where we'd perform our baptisms. And It works out real nice because it's elevated up here, so all the church would would follow us over there, and they could stand around on the, the high bank. It's about two and a half, three feet higher than the water most of the time. And they can see what's going on. And so we baptized, or I baptized the, the one gentleman, and he made his way out of the water. And I just turned around and made another appeal. I said, folks, it's, it's a good day to have your sins washed away in the name. And, and as I'm speaking this stuff, this guy that's had his head on the back of the chair 
for over seven months, it interrupts me. How rude. But I was okay with it because he doesn't say like, hey, you know what? I think maybe I should be. I'm, I'm saying, hey, folks, it's a good. And he's like, Dominic! <laughs> Jumps into the river. Both shoes on, pants on. Just, he, he just couldn't take it anymore. Consistency. Just, just keep preaching the same message. Just, just keep loving them. Just keep saying the same thing. And his head's there, and it looks like they're checked out, and it looks like nobody's listening, but somewhere inside the heart, God's saying, hey, they're talking to you. Hey, they're talking to you. Hey, I, I want to wash your sins away. To where the poor guy just can't take it anymore. He just jumps in the river, and we baptize him in Jesus' name. What a great, what a great day. You got high moments and you got low moments and you just stay faithful and you just stay consistent. And I wish that was the end of the story, but I've got to keep telling it. We have this wonderful thing called COVID that comes along. And you know what? It was extremely discouraging because you're online like everybody in the world. And everybody's got their online services going on, and they got little private groups, and, and a strong church is navigating COVID. But a home mission church is dying by the day. And so I feel like a fool anyway, standing in an empty church, preaching to a camera, right? That, that, did you guys do that? I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. And so I'm already feeling foolish, and then I start to track the data, and I start to try to keep up with the people, and, and five years' worth of labor is just swirling down the tube because there's one family, and they were a transfer, that's engaging online. One family. And you're like, <laughs> now I'm standing in an empty room preaching to a camera, and there's one family listening. You just think, why? Why, why am I doing this? Like, I could just call these people and have a conversation on the phone <laughs> once a week, and, and I would feel better about that. But you just stay faithful, and we, we finally broke the, the rules or whatever they were at the point. I just came to the point where it's like, either we're going to have church or we're not going to have a church. So I'm just going to have church. Um, and so we, we had a special service plan and we had an evangelist with us and we had church and this family wasn't there. They had been there every service for five years, for five stinking years. And so I'm like, this is weird. You know, they should have been there. And we take the evangelist out to eat after, after lunch and like a teenage breakup, my wife gets a text message while we're eating with the evangelists, and it's them saying, we're not coming to church anymore. Okay. Cool. Discouragement. Why, why, why keep going? Why remain faithful? And I'm just believing that that's just a, another page in their story. We've maintained relationship. We, we love these people. They're friends of ours. And I'm excited for the day when they make their way back to the church and they're, they're living for God. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. But the reason you stay faithful, the reason you stay consistent is because while all this is going on, they left, another family left, 
Basically, that one family that stayed online, they're the only original group that came back after COVID. But if you looked at just, just our attendance numbers and you didn't know anything about that, you would think nothing changed. Because while all this is going on, God's dealing with people that we've never even had a conversation with. Right. I, to the best of my knowledge, they never came across the, a live stream or seen us online. But we, I'm standing in the uh, church entryway getting things ready for service one day, and my phone rings. This is shortly after us going back, and I answer the phone, and the guy on the other line says, Yes, is this Pastor Jason? Yes, this is Pastor Jason. What time's your service? He, he's asking questions, and... He says, well, what kind of church are you? And, and we're going through the conversation, and he's like, well, I, I, just, I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm welcome there. I'm like, yeah, you are. <laughs> are you breathing? Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> and he's like, ah, yeah, but, you know, and I mean, he's just, he's really struggling on the phone. Yeah, but you know what? I don't know if, if I, you know, I just need to know if, if you're inclusive or not. I'm like, what's he What's he talking about? Inclusive. Like, maybe this guy's done hard time. He's you know, murdered a bunch of kittens or something. I don't, I don't know what the problem is. What, what is it? And so we, this is going on. This, this conversation, me trying to get it out of him and him just feeling uncomfortable and beating around the bush goes on for probably two minutes. And finally, I said, listen, man, anybody can come to church here, but you're obviously struggling with something specific. Like, just tell me, what's the problem? And I kid you not, this guy, he paused for a minute, and he, and he struggled to get the words out, and he says, well, uh, I am black. And I thought, my Lord, what has happened in this guy's life for him to feel like he can't come to church? I mean, I think heaven's going to be a little diverse. I give honor to this church. I look around, there's a lot of different diversity. But the world that we're trying to reach needs a consistent voice because everywhere else they look, they're being told you got to separate. You can't be together. You can't get along. You can't be the same. And to the point where he had to call on a Sunday morning to make sure he could come to church. I had another guy call me a few weeks later. Same conversation. The weirdest thing. Yeah, yeah, I just don't know if I'm welcome. I don't. And I'm like, what are we doing wrong? You're well. And he's like, I forget, I forget his exact age. But he says, well, I am this old. Is there an age limit? No. And so all these, these, these new people are coming, and, and they're making connections to the church, and pray for those two individuals, because both of them have come for a while, they haven't come for a while, but they're, they're making their way in. And there's something about just being consistent. And owning that territory, God, yeah. there's, there's, there's going to be a church here. You said there's going to be a church here. Yeah. We're just going to keep preaching. Right. Say, why on earth would you go into to a building project when you've, you're, you're like up and down, you got people, you don't have people? Because there's going to be a church there. Right. We're going to still be preaching the message. We're, we're just going to keep moving forward. There's territory of consistency. There's a new territory of, of the cost. The cost. Luke 14 and 28 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? 
there's, there's new territory of the cost. The mission is costly. And don't get nervous yet. I'm not going to start talking to you about giving all your money away. But, but the mission is costly. And so all the way back to the call, I told you I had an established business. I didn't advertise. I do general construction for a living. I had contracts with the DNR. The regional headquarters was in Grand Rapids. I, I had contracts with the HRA. I didn't have to worry about income. And now, God, you're calling me to, to forego and to leave all those contracts because there's no work over there. there. There are different people running the show in that region. And you want me to go to a place where I don't know a soul. Yeah. And like, I, I know what it was like to start the business. Yeah. And you want me to do it again. Like, there's going to be a dip in income. That's going to hurt a little bit. There's going to be extra hours that are worked just to make up the difference. There's going to be extreme giving that takes place. Yeah. We talk about sponsoring and helping you want to know who funds missions? Missionaries fund missions. And I don't say that, pat myself on the back, I say that for all of our missionaries that are out there. They're, they're paying the bills. And our pledges and our, our support goes a long way to help them. That's why even as a, as a church plant, we do the same thing you're doing. We're supporting missionaries. Because we understand the cost there. Because when the, when the church light bill needs to be paid, like you were talking about, they're, they're taking out their checkbook and they're paying the light bill. Yeah. And they're the ones making it happen. More than that, there were some, what I would consider, greater cost. I love my children. And there's a cost that comes from leaving an established church with a healthy youth group and going to an area with no youth group. Yeah. That was a cost. And so you say, well, man, that, that almost seems unfair. And maybe, maybe in some ways it is, but it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just what it costs. Yeah. So my kids, they, they shoulder the burden as well. You leave proximity to families. I can't even imagine some of these missionaries that, that the Lord calls to overseas. At least we can travel here and there on holidays and see our family Fergus Falls to the cities or Fergus Falls to Grand Rapids, it's not that bad. But, but these people are called to leave their families. Yeah. And they don't see them for extended periods of time. They're called to leave fellowship. That was wonderful. Uh, good job pushing. I can't, yeah, good job pushing for your song, right? <laughs> we missed your speech. But that was wonderful to say, wasn't that refreshing? To walk around and shake hands and hug necks and, and know that you got people that are in this thing with you. And yet we've got missionaries that, that leave all of that and they're willing to pay the price to leave all of that and go to an area where there is no fellowship. There is nobody that's coming along saying, praise God, I'm glad you're here. So glad you're still preaching the gospel. So glad you're still living for God. It's just them day in and day out. You know what people said to us? Fergus Falls is 13,500 people. And when we moved there, there was 36 churches. Now, I think like 35 and a half of them were Lutheran churches, so I don't know how that works. <clears throat> but we would, we would go out and we'd do evangelism, and people say, well, yeah, what are you doing? Very friendly community. We love our community. Everybody's open to having a conversation and talking. But I said, yeah, man, we're, we're starting this church. This is what we got going on. And they said, another one? Yeah. Why? Right. Not like, 
Hey, glad you're here. Glad. No. Another church? Okay. And you, you leave behind, you pay the cost of a fellowship. What about the blessing of going to church? You ever think about just the blessing of just, just showing up and being at church? Being at church. Now, in the, in the first... I get dates mixed up. I'm not good with that. I would say the first three years, I brought in guest speakers from time to time. So I had a, a little bit of a reprieve. My wife, on the other hand, did not go to church for over a year. You say, wasn't she there every service? She was there every service. She didn't go to church for over a year because she would, she would get to church early. She would practice. She would play and, and lead worship and serve the people so that we had music and songs and worship songs. And then the instant that was over, we had our altar music loaded up on an iPad, ready to go, and she would leave the room and go teach Sunday school. Every single week. Never heard the preach. I mean, we found other resources. We would travel when we could. We would listen to resources. But just to, to just be in a service, she was willing to pay that, that cost. We have stretched, but God has provided every, every single time. Amen. Every single time. I told you I'd come back to the $10,000 that, that your church gave, and I'm going to do that as quickly as I can. When we were looking at having the building done, we, wanted, we really needed to, because of the style of the building, to spray foam certain areas. And so in our quote gathering process, we had a quote for that. And we received a quote for $18,500 just to spray foam the ceiling. And I fainted, and then I picked myself up off the floor, and I said, no, we can't do that. <laughs> so we're just going to go with an inadequate method. We'll, we'll make it work. And <clears throat> somebody else said, hey, you need to call this guy. Have him come over. <clears throat> Excuse me. Have him come over and look at the building just to see what he would do. And my faith was about where yours was with the insurance thing. I'm like, this guy wants to drive from Alexandria to Fergus just to get told no? Tell him to come on over. And he walks in, and he's looking around at the building. He's writing stuff down, and he gets all his numbers figured out. And uh, he says, well, I went ahead and figured up the ceiling and all the walls. And I thought, dude, I already told you. <laughs> We're not doing it. And he says, uh, I can do the ceiling and the walls five inches thick. 11,500. We didn't have 11,500, but it was too good of a deal to say no. So I'm like, yeah, come on. So we went there, yeah. right? We went there. I didn't know how it was going to work out. Quite frankly, I had no idea. We, we just said, that sounds wonderful. Come on over. We had to go. Yeah. And when we got there, God's promise was sufficient. Because we had a bill for $11,500, and God was working with you folks to raise money to pay that bill. That's the way missions giving works. We had to be willing to go, but at the same time, you were going. You were going, to, and you didn't know. You didn't know why. You didn't know that there was this bill out there. This is how good God is. Even after that, I mean, construction right now is... you. you Figure out how much you think it's going to cost and then just wad that paper up and throw it in the garbage because it's going to be more. 
Everything is insane. And so still, we're right up against the budget. We're trying to make things work. And it was just a couple weeks ago, you know, we're, we're scraping by, we're doing all right. And after the installation was done, uh, the guy comes in, the same spray foam guy, he says, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to spray the interior, all the interior walls too for sound. I said, no, you're not. <laughs> he said, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. No, we won't. <laughs> Very awkward conversation because then he just starts spraying the walls. And I'm like, okay. Well, here, come to find out, someone else had already paid, not for the interior walls, a single individual, God moved on them, and they had already paid the $11,500 directly to this man to come and insulate the building. We got a bill. All of our, all of our building insulated, interior walls sprayed for sound. We got a bill for $1,600. That's the hand of God. But we had to be willing, we had to be willing to go. I could tell so many stories like that. Timelines are important. And we were trying to get things rolling, and the abstract company was taking so much time. Our bank was completely on board. Um, if you've ever dealt with any kind of construction loan, you, they're just hard to get going. The bank was fine. The abstract company was fine, but they were bogged down. They were behind. I just thought, you know what? It's God's building. I'm not going to mess with it. They'll call me when they call me. The banker calls us one day, and... He says, yeah, we hadn't been pressuring them or anything. He says, yeah, we're getting really tired of waiting on the, the abstract company. We're just going to write the loan. I said, well, what do, you, like, what do you mean? He's like, we're just going to write an unsecured line of credit. We don't even want the building as collateral. That doesn't happen, folks. <laughs> the property that we purchased for the land was, they were asking $50,000 and it's not a bad deal. It's just over five acres, and in our area, that, that's a pretty good price, but we didn't have no $50,000. And so we prayed about it, and I felt like the Lord told me what to do, and it seemed absolutely ridiculous. It usually does. So I called the realtor, and I said, tell them that we want to give them full price. We want to pay them the, the full 50000 as long as the seller's willing to donate the first $15,000. He said, I don't even know how to write that down. <laughs> it took him about a week to write the offer. He sends it off to the guy they never even countered. Okay. Amen. I've never met this man to this day. I've never seen this guy. I can't even tell you his name. But that's how it works. When we're willing to go, right. God's promise is there. It's there waiting. I'm going to try to bring it to a close fairly quickly, and we're, we're, talking about, we're talking about missions today. You're going to do a faith promise today, but it's about more than money. Right. So my question today is, what territory is God directing you into? Where is God trying to get you to go? I've seen in your announcements, Wednesday night, there's outreach. Right. And you said this, this missions thing, it starts at home. It's kind of like what God said when, when he's talking about the Holy Ghost in Acts 1 and 8. You'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. It starts here. Yeah. And God's calling some people in this congregation to be activated in the mission. Right. Sometimes, sometimes it's easier to write the check sure. than to put your shoes on and walk after the promise. 
And yet God deals with us. He deals with us to get involved in outreach. He deals with us to get involved in, in the ministries of the church. I've seen, what, Tuesday night, altar recovery. you got youth going on on Thursday. There's Sunday school going on in the building. There's all kind of things that, that you can plug into and do. And, and you've got to be willing to follow the, this path. First of all, you've got to be willing to say, okay, God, I, I recognize the call. And I'm willing to at least go that far. I'm willing to have the conversation. I'm willing to, to step out there and say, all right, this is what God's called me to. I know what it requires of me, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue it at least that far. Some maybe have pursued it that far, and yet you're, you're shying away from, from really going after it because of the conflict that would arise. When I was praying about and preparing for this, this service, I, just, I really felt a check right here. Some of it is conflict within your family. Maybe you're a young person and your, and your parents aren't in church or you're, you're new to church and you're trying to establish fresh changes within your family and the kids don't understand it because that's not the way it's been done in the past within the home. And, and there's all this conflict that arises and it's easier to just say, forget it. I don't have to do this. I'm comfortable right here in Jericho. I'll just come to church and I like coming to church, and I don't have to go any further. And God's like, no, no there, there's more out there. My promise is so much bigger than that. Right. You've got to press through the conflict a little bit. Whatever conflict arises, you've, you've got to go just a little bit farther. You, you've got to be willing to say, I'm going to defeat this thing. Yeah. And know that God's going to go with you. He's going to fight every battle for you. There's the <clears throat> territory of consistency. I just, it's just funny the way we work sometimes. We, we come to God as new converts, and we know nothing about the Bible, but it's extremely easy for us to relate with lost people because everyone we know is lost people, and we're lost people. And then as time goes on, we begin to learn more and more and more about the Bible, but if we're not careful, we'll know all this stuff about the Bible and, and completely forget how to connect with lost people. And it's like, all my friends go to church. All my friends are saved. All my friends already know the message. The, the mission, it, I, I don't even know how to relate to them. I, I find it comical sometimes to watch church people when they're thrown into an environment where there's just sinners all around them. I think it's the greatest thing to watch because they're like, oh, golly gee, they said, did you hear that? It's like, hey, guess what? That's the mission. That's the mission. There's, there's got to be consistency. If I'm not intentional about walking into consistency, the territory of consistency, I don't, I don't just decide one day I'm not going to know anyone that's not completely right with God. It just happens because I'm not intentional about reaching into the lives of people that aren't and helping them and trying to bring them. I don't have to know everything. I just need to get them to where I'm at. And ultimately, the cost. Yeah. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Whatever it takes to accomplish the mission, that's what I'm willing to do. Amen. If it costs me friendships, then so be it. I could tell you those stories too. I didn't grow up in church. There's a lot of people that were extremely close to me that I know nothing about at this point in life. Because following after the mission costs some things. Emotionally and mentally, financially. 
So that's my question today as I close. I'd have you stand. I know there's going to be a point in the service where we, where we have pledges. But I would give you an opportunity to pray. Before we ever get to that point, is there something God's dealing with you about? Is there a call that's just nagging on your heart today? It's not going to sound like my question, but, but it's just the Lord saying, hey, why don't, why don't you do that? Why don't you get involved there? Why don't you make that step of commitment? Come on, why, why not? If you're like me, you've got all the answers. But you'll find, like I did, that they all revolve around your flesh. They all revolve around keeping yourself comfortable. And none of them have anything to do with the mission. I had so many people ask me when we started talking about going to Fergus Falls, why Fergus Falls? There's nothing there. It's not like a metropolis. And eventually God gave me the answer. There's, there's 13,500 reasons to go to Fergus Falls. And if you'll really get honest with yourself today and you'll lay aside the fleshly excuses to the calling that God's trying to, to get you to accept, there's a lot of reasons. Because it moves the mission forward. It, it helps you accomplish what God's calling you to. There's some that are in the midst of conflict. You're fighting the battles that I mentioned a few moments ago. And, and in your mind, you're thinking, I could just lay off. Maybe I'll come back to this later. It's not something to come back to later. I've come to encourage somebody to press through, to stay faithful to the changes you're trying to make, to fight those battles and allow God to fight with you. To walk down the avenues of consistency, and if you look around in your life today and you find that there's no one in your circle that you're trying to reach with the message of Jesus, then you need to find somebody. Say, well, it'll just happen. No, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. You've got to be intentional about it. You've got to look for them, and they're all around us. Problem is, they don't even know if they can come to church because maybe they're too old or maybe they're not the right color. Thank God these people were willing to pick up the phone. But how many are in your community that haven't picked up the phone? And they're wanting to come, and God's dealing with them, and they just need somebody to come alongside and let them know they're welcome, and let them know they're loved. And ultimately, to count the cost. I'd invite you to pray, talk to the Lord. Wherever you're at in, in this journey, there's, there's more territory. You can go deeper into the promise. Don't settle for anything less than the borders of what God has laid before you. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.